This is episode 36 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gellner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Happy New Year, my Extraordinary Women friends. I started off this year with a little unplanned break and a bout of bronchitis. Now, I'm feeling much better, but you might notice my voice is a little deeper today, maybe a bit of a Demi Moore effect. Uh, So it was really interesting. I'm a planner at the beginning of the year. I love to jump into the new year full of energy and launching new things. I love the vision board and planning and making space to get creative and what my year is going to hold for me. What is it I want to, what energy do I want to be in? What feelings do I want to feel? I've actually taken, I'd actually taken off most of the final week of the year to really do this, but this year it just wasn't meant to be. And, you know, I came into the new year, I started feeling better about a week ago, and I I was feeling guilty about not making the space that I wanted to. And then I had a wise young woman, my 24-year-old niece, who sent me a Daniel Laporte post that Danielle had made the first week in January. And I wanted to share that with you today because I think it was really brilliant. And I think it's at a time when we're all under pressure to, you know, just get out and to launch and to do all the things that we want to be doing in the new year, to stop and reflect on this post that Danielle wrote. And this is what she said. I love a fresh start, but I never really feel in sync with January 1st being the new year. I feel a surge of freshness in, in September and in the very early spring. But now I'm digging the dark days and staying warm and quietly making. So if you're in the same groove, don't push it to be all shiny and go and nuts. Huddle, roast vegetables, heal, plan, mostly strengthen. Weave your magic, the medicine, the, the medicine magic for yourself and the magic you must give to the world. Because here's what I figure. The deeper you go now, the higher, the brighter and lighter you will get when you're really ready to rock and sink with the earth. You're, you are tapping the gold. Anyway, you can find me in the same place I was a few weeks ago, quietly making, healing up, easy on the social, guilt-free, mostly goalless, and blissed out right now, except I'm not telling anyone where I am. So that was what Daniel wrote. And wow, what a perfect timing it was to hear this. When I'm feeling guilty, when I'm feeling concerned that I should be doing things, I should be doing, 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 I got this beautiful message to really take the space to huddle, to slow down, to listen, to strengthen, and to roast vegetables, right? I mean, it's like, what a beautiful message. And I'm guessing so many of you are feeling some of that same inner pressure that I was feeling to do, to do, to do, to do. And yes, we need to do when, it, when the time's right. But sometimes slowing down and listening to what our bodies are calling for is the best thing that we can do for ourselves. 
And so while I'm back in the flow this week and certainly catching up on time-sensitive to-dos that I've got coming down the pipeline, things that I need to make happen for my clients and put in place and that sort of thing, I'm also enjoying moving into this new year with a bit of space to get clear on what it is that I really want to manifest in the life in my life and what energies I want to be in. I think that's the big thing for me is what energy feels right to me. My word this year is expansion and I'm playing in the word also of wind horse, which is a a Shambhala term all around letting that inner light of you really shine and resonate out into the world. So those are words that I'm playing with. Um, What, what, I'd love to hear what some of your themes are, your words are for 2018 and and really what that means. And when I talk about expansion, it talks, I mean, expansion um, from a growth perspective, expansion from an energetic perspective, um, expansion from the energy that I'm putting into the world. All these sorts of things are what's resonating for me. So I'd love to hear what words are showing up for you, what themes are showing up for you and making 2018 your best year. And I'm hoping you're finding space to really huddle and listen to what your body needs to let those words flow up to you and um, really be in that space of curiosity and not just rushing into the new year. And as you listen, enjoy the, the space of listening because the magic of listening can really feel the power that you want to create in the new year. And so happy new year's, my friends. I hope you find inspiration in Daniel's wisdom that she shared on her Facebook post a few weeks ago. And speaking of wisdom, I am thrilled to launch our first podcast of the year with another 2018 inductee to the 20, to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, Dorothy Harrell. Dorothy is the chancellor of the University of Colorado at Denver, and that's my alma mater, so I was really super excited to talk to her. Dorothy leads Colorado's Public Urban Research University. CU Denver educates over 15,000 undergraduates and graduate students annually. And um, so it's a big job that she has leading this university. Dr. Harrell has an extensive background in higher education and has served as president of Colorado Community College System, as president of Red Rocks Community College. And she started that as a really young woman. She'll tell that story. I think that's a a really fun and interesting story in, in the interview. And she was also a governor appointee to the Colorado State University Board of Governors. From 2001 to 2013, she was actually she left the the educational field and was president and CEO of the Bonfields Bonfield Stanton Foundation, Colorado's leading foundation supporting the arts and nonprofit leadership. And she did some really interesting things um, in, in her work there as well that we talk about. I love this interview. We talk about success and courage and leadership and transformation, of course, as I, we always do in these types of interviews. Um, Dorothy tells her story of growing up on the plains of Colorado, and she and I both did that. We both grew up in the plains of Colorado, so we had some really nice intersections between our stories. But she, find, she found her way to live in China for eight months as a young woman, and that's a really incredible story. She, she shares the story of why she chose to come out of retirement to lead the University of Colorado at Denver, what got her to say yes, 
And in my, one of my very favorite questions of the whole interview and conversations that we have ties to how we both hold, hold principles that we learned in 4-H programs as young women, as young girls around our head, our hands, our heart, and our health, and how these values shape our lives today. It was one of my most favorite questions I've ever asked, and I love the conversation around this. Dorothy and I share just so many intersecting threads in our lives. And I think we both love those connections. And that's what makes these interviews so much fun to really just dig in and discover. In addition to being inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, Dorothy has been honored by Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce as one of the top 25 most powerful women. And she received the 2016 Athena Leadership Award. She was inducted into the Colorado 4-H Hall of Fame, which I didn't even know there was such a thing, but I'm super excited to hear that. And as a Mile High Council of Girl Scouts Woman of Distinction, plus many other awards, there's just too many to name here. Let's dig in and meet Dr. Dorothy A. Harrell, a 2018 Colorado Women's Hall of Fame inductee. Well, welcome, Dorothy. I am so glad you can join us here on Extraordinary Women Radio today. Well, thanks, Cami. I'm uh, looking forward to our conversation. Oh, me too. Your stories really have been fascinating as I've been looking into them. First of all, I want to tell you congratulations on being an inductee to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame for 2018. What an honor. Well, thank you. It is indeed an honor and um, very humbling, I must say. Yes, it's so it's so exciting that I'm excited for the inductee ceremony in March. And um, yeah, so just tell me a little bit how you felt when you when you found out that you were going to be an inductee. Well, it was an exciting uh, phone conversation that I had, and I was actually in Germany, and I had this call coming in on my cell phone, and I couldn't quite place a number, and so I answered it. And so when um, the caller introduced herself and told me what she was calling about, and so there was one of it was one of these surreal moments of saying, of thinking to myself, really, here I am, you know, uh, in a different continent and in a very different environment right now getting this kind of call. And so it was um, exciting. It, it was a reminder to me of, my goodness, I know and have worked with so many incredible women, some of whom are in the Hall of Fame as well. And so to know that I was in their company um, was something that just meant a great deal. And I guess the final feeling was one of being incredibly grateful that I have had the opportunity to live the life that I have and to hopefully, um, you know, contribute in ways that are meaningful and knowing that there have been so many other people along the way who have been there for me, who have supported me, who have taken a chance on me, who have uh, provided opportunities for me to really um, contribute in, in more significant ways. So it was that sense and that wave coming over you of saying, my goodness, I am a part of something that is not all of my own creation, but um, that I am enormously grateful for and humbled by. 
That's so lovely. And it just, I've got a big smile on my face sitting here. I know we were just talking about, we wish we were doing this interview face to face, but I just want you to know that I've got this big, big smile because it is about all of the people in the community around us that helps. We People can do things together and that's where the greatness comes from. Um, so that's really cool. That's very, thank you for sharing that. So as a leader of a university that educates over 15,000 students a year, and my alma mater, if I might even add, you have the ability to really shape perspectives of our young students for many tomorrows. What's the one thing you hope to instill in today's young leaders that will be so important for the, the future of our world? Oh, that's a wonderful question, Cami. And first of all, I am delighted to know that you are an alum of uh, the University of Colorado, Denver. This is an extraordinary place, and I, I really love being here at this point in time. And I, um, you may know that I stepped out of retirement. Yes, right. Um, was approached, and really, my first response was, "Oh no, you know, I, I have done my thing. I'm done. And I'm ready to respond <laughs> to another chapter in my life." And as my husband says, um, you know, you just you weren't quite done yet, Dorothy. And I like to characterize it as saying, "My head and my heart um, kind of ganged up on me when I said yes that I would come here." And I, I knew CU Denver from a distance, but had no idea what I would discover when I got here. And so I just had my second anniversary of being here yesterday. Um, and it, um, it is, I, I'm such a champion for education because I think that it is the difference maker in so many people's lives, and particularly in a place like the University of Colorado Denver. We're located in the heart of a very vibrant, growing uh, metropolitan area. And what has particularly captured my heart about this place is our student body and who, what they represent. And I love the diversity of our student body. Um, we serve about two thirds of our students are undergraduate students, another third are our graduate students, primarily Colorado students. We do, um, we're grateful to have out of state students and inter international students as well, but clearly the majority of our students come from Colorado and primarily the greater Denver area. And for many of them, they want a first-class university education. But many, many of them work while they're going to school. And, That's exactly um, what I did. I mean, that was how I, oh yeah, I was, I was a single mother and I was working downtown at an oil, at an oil and gas company. And I was going to school school there at night, so that's where my degree came from. And I loved the the you know for me, I was a student that I love the diversity of that that's the college as well, the university as well, because I was working with with other people who were in you know similar kind of city, settings where they were working downtown, but then you know, there was a really interesting base in my classrooms, which really made for a wonderful education. Well, 
We, um, for our freshman class this fall, 59% of our students are students of color. Of 50% of our undergraduate students are first generation college students, meaning that their parents, neither one of them, have um, a, um, a baccalaureate degree. And many students are reliant on Pell Grants and working, uh, paying their own way while they're going through school. And so they come here with their hopes and dreams in hand. And so when you ask, you know, what's the one thing I hope to instill in them? Frankly, they already have it. They know that they want to be able to do more and be more. That's why they are here. And what I would want to say to them is continue to avail yourselves of of um, those experiences that are going to really enable them to be open to opportunities of all sorts, because they are going to be the problem solvers and the leaders of tomorrow, that there, there clearly are important challenges that we are facing, uh, not just locally or nationally, but globally. There are inequities that need to be addressed, and there are you know new discoveries that are are waiting to be made. And these students are going to be at the heart of that. And so, our world needs each one of them to yes. be great in their own way. And that's a message that we had at the end of um, December um, before the holiday break, our fall commencement. And that is some of the message that I tried to convey to our graduates at that point was that this is a really important milestone in their lives of achieving a college degree. And it's one half of what they will bring because they now have the credential to say, here's what I can do, but how will I go about it and who will I be in doing that is what they themselves will bring. And so discovering that greatness within each one of them because they they can be really strong contributors, I have no doubt about it, because of who they are and the paths that they have followed in order to get to this point. I love that. And I and I think back, I mean, I, the work that I do with my clients around the world really ties very closely to that is tuning into who are you? How are you meant to matter? What are the gifts of who you are? And I think the more each one of us knows that, the more we really create this beautiful ripple effect around the world and get out and do the work that we're meant to do in a time where our world needs every single one of us. We all have a role to play. Absolutely. And I um, really appreciate and celebrate the fact that for the nature of the kinds of students that we serve, that 
being able to have a college education and being positioned with the opportunities will not only change their personal trajectory, but will change the trajectory of their families for generations to come, and that they are an inspiration and really what makes our country great are people like them who say, <clears throat> I, I can be more and do more. Right. That's awesome. What an opportunity for you to come out of retirement and, and to you know, get to be a part of this and drive this really next important step for people for so many generations to come. Let's talk a little bit more about you. Let's, I want to know more about you and how you measure your own success. I mean, you've had a, a beautiful career throughout your whole life, um, you know, from, even from a young girl. I mean, you've had this opportunity of creating success throughout your life. What does, how do you measure your own success and what does a successful life for Dorothy look like? <laughs> Well, thank you very much, uh, Cami, for um, seeing my life through the, through your lens in that way. I, um, you know, it's pretty simple for me, I guess, that at the end of every day, I reflect on the day that I have had and the interactions that I've had, the relationships that I've been able to further, the progress that has been able to be made on important work that's being that I am privileged to be a part of every day, and get a sense of extreme satisfaction and gratitude that I am in a position to have such opportunities and such pleasure that comes from making more possible for individual lives, for an institution, for a community, and in the larger context of our of the greater society. And so it is that, um, I guess, that sense that I have my passion is deeply rooted inside of me that my and and it gets manifested in a sense of purpose that came to me pretty early on in my life that my role on the, in this world is to help make more possible for others that's just who I am and mm. so there is enormous satisfaction that I feel. And, you know, we all, I don't measure success by a title or the accumulation of, of stuff. While, you know, those are the trappings that, and, and really, uh, again, privileges that sometimes come with being successful. It is about being our best selves and having that sense of um, that we are called to be here to serve others. Mm -hmm. And that when we are able to do that, to me, there's no greater success or satisfaction. Oh, I love that. I, I, and I so resonate with everything you just said there. It's To me, success feels very much about 
all of the all of the things you've just said there. So I thank you for sharing that. As you know, as being here at the first part of the year and 2018 in front of us, is there a word or theme that you've chosen for your year that um, really helps? You know, it's kind of that vision of what you want to make happen this year. Oh gosh, I haven't uh, really characterized it. I guess in in um, my um, my thinking in that regard, um, oh, you know, hope. I guess yeah. would be a word that does come to mind because I think you know our world is complex mm-hmm. and it is challenging, and there is this sense of dissonance, I think, that is existing. And we each have to do our part. And I had the opportunity to um, attend the session when um, Michelle Obama came to Denver. And oh, wasn't that and, wonderful? And, and she was asked, you know, a question, and I loved her response because it really resonates for me that, you know, let we it we can impact the world in the place where we're standing so look around us and look at what we each can do um and be hopeful about that and don't allow some of the other um rancor or discord to really throw us off or feel make us feel helpless and hopeless Yes. And that that rings true for me. Nice. And that was a wonderful event. Uh, I sit on the board of trustees for the women's of the um the Women's Foundation of Colorado. So I got to be part of the the group bringing Michelle to Colorado. And um that was just such a an inspiring event, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, Dorothy, you and I share the experience of growing up on the plains of Colorado in small town America, and deeply involved in 4-H. And I know that forever, ever changed my life. It was such an an intricate part of, it makes me who I am, that that experience. And I think you, I've heard you say the same thing. Um, Part of your 4-H experience offered you an opportunity to be part of an international youth exchange program that took you to China, just out of college. So here you are, you're a small town, Plains girl, I know what that feels like. Traveling all around the world, I wasn't doing that at that moment. So tell us the story about this. You know, what did you learn about yourself on that trip? Tell us how this happened, and just how this whole experience of of uh, small town Plains girl going to China. How did that experience shape your life? Well, 4-H was a fundamental part of my life from the time I was, um, well, I have two older sisters who were uh, 4-Hers as well as all of my siblings who followed behind me. So 4-H was just um, an essential element of our lives. So I was exposed to it from as long as I can remember. And this program um, is called the, at that time, it was called the International Farm Youth Exchange Program, and now it's called the International 4-H Youth Exchange Program, but was an opportunity to 
for each state at that time to select two individuals who would be assigned to go uh, somewhere around the world um, to be an ambassador, if you will, on behalf of our country. And there was an involvement through the um, U.S. Department of State as well. And so we were um, encouraged to put in our preferences as far as the countries that we would go to. And I, um, you know, my family background is um, European, uh, Austrian parents or grandparents on one side and Irish on the other. And so, you know, those were the countries that I put in for. And then my assignment came back as the Republic of China. So it wasn't mainland China, it was the Republic of China that was known as Formosa at that point and now Taiwan. But it was startling at first. And I uh, remember calling my parents and telling them this. And my mother said, when I said the Republic of China, and she said, oh my goodness, I don't think they let people travel there. <laughs> and the next time I went home, she had um, the Encyclopedia Britannica out open on the dining room table, turned to Republic of China. And she said, well, I guess this is going to be okay. So anyway, 10 days after I graduated um, from Cara State University with my baccalaureate degree, off I went and um, had an immersion program in Mandarin Chinese, which I have to admit, you know, that language is very difficult. Yes. And I, um, you know, there was no way that you could master it. Um, I could get by with simple exchanges and all, but first did um, some work in Seattle and then in Taipei. Um, but immediately in arriving in um, Taiwan was placed in a host family. And my first host family, the I think um, my host brother was a fifth grader. He could speak English. His parents could not. And so he became my lifeline, if you will, because he uh, could um, interpret and, right. and make those connections. But it was one of those experiences where everything about it was different than anything I had ever experienced in right. my life. You know, it's interesting and, you, you you share the, the you know, the, the language part. When I went to China and I was older than, you know, just out of college when I went, but I think you know, I had had so much exposure to international languages, but they were all, always, you know, had the Latin base, right? So it was like you could figure <laughs> things out. But when you go into China, and when I traveled to China, when I first arrived, I was there by myself at the very first component part of it. And there's just such a different base of trying to be able to communicate when you can't read the the words and it's there's there's no way to it, it's a very difficult way to be able to translate that right it's there's 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 not like little nuggets of things that you can pick words out of that you go oh, okay I know what they're saying I have a, a hilarious yeah. story and I won't go into it here but I have a hilarious story of trying to find um, Szechuan chicken in Chengdu China at one point. And it was just, yeah, it was a very funny thing. And I ended up getting snakes, um, um, offered up to me as like, no, that's not what I want. But the stories of, you know, so, you know, being a young girl just out of college and being there and, 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 and 
going into that kind of experience that had to be really um, just a way to open your eyes to a whole different world. It was transformative and has been throughout my life. I think it was the first time where I really came to grips with the fact that we should suspend judgment. Mm. You know, that we, our initial reaction to things that are different or foreign to us may be to say, well, that's not the right way to do it you know, and to question it as opposed to to seeking to understand and appreciate and acknowledge that there are lots of different ways to to make decisions and and the choices that we make at you know the, so that has been a lifelong lesson that circ- seek first to understand before you um, you exercise judgment and that being different is not being wrong. It's being mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but at, at the very core of humanity, we all want the same things and that um, it, it, they're again, manifest in different ways, but that, that sense that we are more alike than we are different has stayed with me forever. And I I guess the other takeaway is that, you know, when you're put in a situation and at that point, I mean, it was 1973. So it was before we had uh, the um, technology that we have today. I didn't talk with my family once during the eight months that I was gone. We um, did um, correspond through written letters uh, there may have been one time I think that I had a phone call, but that was it. And so right. it wasn't like you had that anchoring uh, from back home and were you know kind of living with a foot in both worlds. I was immersed in that world, and you know your ability to adjust, adapt, you know the resiliency that comes from that gives you a sense of confidence that you know you can figure things out. You will do that. And that it's um, instead of kind of fighting against those things that are so um, different that to um, accept and embrace and and savor them. And there, there came a time probably a couple of months into my experience where it was um, it was a realization for me that I had a choice to make about how I looked at this experience. And it could either be that it was going, that every moment was going to be a chance for me to challenge it and to push back, or I could put myself fully in it and really um, embrace what it had to offer. And thankfully, I chose the latter and it made all the difference. And so do you, um, and we always have choices, right? When we're, whenever, whatever the difficult situation we might be in, we always have this place where we could make choices like that, right? Does that still come to you a lot where you go, okay, which, which way do I want to go? Which way do I want to look at this? Absolutely. There isn't, uh, probably, um, 
uh, an hour of any day where I don't um, recognize that. And, and that self-awareness, I think, is one of the things that I really am grateful for that I have in myself, and I try to help encourage others to pay attention, to recognize that we we do have in every interaction, in every decision that we make, there there are multiple ways to look at that and that our choices define, um, you know, the decisions that we make and the, um, you know, the values that undergird that are really uh, what, what shape us. And if, you know, to, to kind of take stock and check in with ourselves along the way. And, and again, I guess it goes back to that notion of, of self-awareness and reflection that right. I think is just critical. And that was really uh, I think reinforced and, and perhaps even uh, uncovered for me during that experience. What what a wonderful experience, um, and certainly a beautiful story of courage, no doubt. I mean, it had to take a lot of courage as a young girl to go do that, and you know, be away from your family for so long and so so far away. So, I love that. Can you tell us a story about when you really stepped into your courage in your career, um, a place? perhaps where you saw opportunity or new dreams or new possibilities. Um, but there was a big, it was, there was risk to it. It was a big stretch to, to, for you to really follow that big dream, that big idea, but you went anyway. What comes to mind for me is um, it would have been in um, 1989, I guess. And at that point, um, you know, I, I had, I'd been in state level administration work and, um, had, had moved up rapidly in my career and, uh, really was, um, I think fighting beyond my weight at that point in terms of some of the responsibilities and things that I, uh, had had the opportunity to be a part of and to lead. Um, but there, it, there was the circumstance where, um, I was in the community college system, um, the vocational education and community colleges at that point, and I was asked to go to Red Rocks Community College because there had been an unexpected leadership transition, and they were undergoing a search process. Uh, to identify the next president, and I was asked to go to keep the wheels on the bus during this transition period. And and, and you were young then, right? You were yeah, quite young. I was there <laughs> to have that kind of a responsibility, and um, and my uh, boss at the state level had said, you know, Dorothy, even if you, they grow to to love you and you grow to love them you can't stay there. You need to come back because the work that you're doing here is really important and I need you. And I said, okay, I got it. Well, I get out to Red Rocks and not knowing what I didn't know really and never <laughs> having been really in um, that kind of a setting with that large of an organization to have responsibility for. And I, I don't know how not to just jump in the middle of things and try and move things forward. So, and, you know, that was the expectation that I wasn't going to be just um, a caretaker that, you know, I was going to help 
position this institution for its next leader. Well, as as uh, the weeks and eventually months went by, things were really beginning to get some traction. And folks on the search committee, the external community um, began saying, Dorothy, you know, we want you to stay here. And I said, I can't. And they, you know, um, I, I really, you know, because when I make um, a, a promise to somebody, I keep it. And so I said, I, uh, you know, gave my word that I wouldn't do that. And I had happened to have lunch with a very good friend. And I found myself in the middle of this lunch tears coming to my eyes. And Suzanne said to me, what's going on? And I said, I'm having this huge inner conflict because I have found myself in a place where I'm loving the work that I'm a part of. And I think I can make a difference, but I have made um, a promise that I'm not going to stay. And she said, Dorothy, the very least you can do is to have a conversation with your boss right. and say, look, and, and it, it, I, mean, I, I, I talk about it now and I think, what was the big deal? Well, it was that I was just having this inner, um, tension, I guess, between having given my word, but having had an experience that was, um, you know, just unexpected. And so to make a long story short, um, you know, talked with him, we had to, you know, make a lot of things happen regarding process and, you know, checking through things so that it was all um, above board of, of what was happening. But it was recognizing, um, I guess, that, you know, when you're given an opportunity and that even though it was unexpected, that when there's alignment between what the needs are and what you can do, taking full advantage of that is not a selfish thing to do. It is, in fact, an empowering thing mm. to do. And it led to and, your whole career, yeah. didn't it? I mean, it, it shaped your yes, career from that perspective. And Absolutely. It, what was that calling? I mean, how did you know with inside? I mean, it was like there was there was the universe was guiding you, divinely guiding you, or there's a calling within you. How did you know within your body that that was really the right thing that was that you were meant to be doing? I think I was listening to my heart, mm-hmm. and I was sensing that there was. Um, I, I was getting a lot of positive reinforcement from the people around me. And it goes back to that concept we were talking about earlier of hope. And when you can be an instrument of hope for others, and all of a sudden they recognize that, wow, you know, there what we are a part of really matters and we can make some quantum leaps and we, we want you and need you to help us do that, that that's pretty compelling. And 
I recall we talked a lot about vision of what we wanted that institution to be, how that would translate um, in the experience for our students, what it would mean in terms of the impact in the community. And so we, we talked a lot about everybody's role in being able to accomplish that vision. And I remember our lead groundskeeper coming into my office one day and saying, you know, Dorothy, I get it that whether it is that I'm responsible for keeping the roads open when there is a snowstorm so that our students can get into the parking lots and get to class, or if it is keeping the lawn and the flowers on the pathway coming up to the main entrance beautiful so that as people are coming, having worked all day, coming to classes at night, and that transition as they come into the um, entrance of the building is welcoming and pleasant and allows them to really bring their best focus to what they're going to be doing and learning, he said, I'm a part of this. And it was like magic to say, Gabe, you absolutely, absolutely. are. And uh -huh. at that point, it's when I, I realized, you know, the it was kind of instinctive to me to, um, because I've always been somebody, I guess, growing up in a family of eight of us and being in the middle of that group that, you know, saw that each person had a role and special things to bring. And when you can align those things, it's really powerful. Oh, I love that. I totally love that. So your, the, the traje trajectory that you took was basically you took on that leadership role. You didn't go back to the job that you had made a commitment on. And that took you through the rest of your, you know, that took you down this very, um, or through this really beautiful career through the educational field that you're being recognized for right now. So it's, um, you know, just such a, a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so you and I are both 4-H girls, and let's come back to the very basic that we spoke as young girls, and, and the pledge that we used to say um, as young girls, as 4-Hers, I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, and my health to better living for my club, my community, and my country, and my world. And while, you know, I haven't thought about these words in a long, long time, and I pulled them up when I was prepping for this interview today. And what I, I was just blown away by was, you know, it's not something I've been thinking about, but it's an intricate part of my world. It's, it's something, they're foundational values that I carry in my day-to-day -day, day -day living even today without, you know, putting thought around that. And so tell me how you live into these principles today. I'm so glad that you uh, resurrected that pledge, uh, Cami, because it gives me goosebumps. Me too. <laughs> to exactly. Right. Um, because it is it is absolutely fundamental and foundational, um, and perhaps unbeknownst to me, you know, was ingrained at a visceral level uh, right. because. It talks about alignment. It is our head, our hearts, our 
actions, our sense of well-being and who it is that we are, that we bring to every situation that we encounter, and that it is beyond ourselves. That, again, I do believe that we are here to be uh, in service to others. And so when we think about that better living for my club, my community, my country, my world, you know, those and, and this pledge, I expect, has been around for decades. Right. And yet it's as relevant today as it ever has been. And, you know, the, the motto for 4-H is to make the best better. Right. And that, that really encapsulates what these words mean. Right. What they're saying is that, you know, things, thankfully, and, you know, while um, there's unevenness, certainly in the circumstances that all of us have come from, but we are really privileged to, to live at this time in the place where we are, and that there's a lot of good about that. And how do we take that and even improve upon it? And so it has been the essence, really, of what has defined my thoughts and my actions and my values and my dreams and goals is really encapsulated in those words. Oh, that's, that's it's same for me. And I, I feel so very blessed and honored that that was a, a, an early part of my beginning. Right. And so, um, love sharing that with you. And when I, when I was thinking through questions to ask and, and that came up, it was like, you know, this is just, it feels so right. And so good. What I'd like to close with today is what are three pearls of wisdom that you can share with our audience? Oh, goodness. Um, You know, I think the first thing would be um, first to stay curious. I I think that was hardwired into me uh, from the very beginning of my being. Mm -hmm. And I um, always, uh, I am a question asker. I, I, not to put people on the spot at all, but because I just want to know more and Mm -hmm. understand more. And I really do value having the variety of uh, perspectives and uh, learning, um, being an active learner. So that would be one thing I think that, you know, we're never done. And even at this point in my life when, and I have to remind myself, frankly, that I am in you know, I have less life ahead of me than I have behind me. That's just the reality. (laughs) But uh, every day is still an opportunity to to learn and to have new experiences. and, And I cherish that. I guess the second would be that each of us can and should do what we can with what we have from where we are. There will be, and and continue to be for me, opportunities that I see where I can help contribute and make things a little better. And 
by doing that, you always are are creating more opportunities for yourself and for others. And so never to feel trapped. And it, it does go back again to that concept of hopefulness and, and um, a sense of possibility, because that is, I think it always exists um, around us. And if we put ourselves in a position of being trapped and not having choices is is when I think we really um, just paralyze ourselves and what a waste that is. Right. You know, one of my and favorite third, questions right now is what else is possible, right? If we, if we keep asking ourselves that question at any given point, there's always more that we can do. Yes. And then the last, I guess, pearl, if you will, um, would be don't miss the joy. Mm-hmm. That comes with life. That you know, um, know yourself well enough to know what are those things that do make you happy, that fulfill you, that lift you up, and the people who do that. And you know, it what an incredible gift that is to 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 live a life that is filled with joy and a sense of um, being able to make a positive difference in little ways and in some some cases having that ability to have the ripple effect that can resonate from who we are and what it is that we do, that that's really what gives us the ability to follow our bliss and truly give everyone else the best of us. Oh, I love that last one. I really do. Well, Dorothy, this has been so much fun. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I thank you for participating and also congratulate you again for being an inductee to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame in 2018. And thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Cammie. It has been fun uh, to talk with you, and I look forward to meeting in person and sharing more stories together. Me too. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGellner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.